Well, Proverbs chapter 2 is where we're going to be this evening. We want to invite you guys to join us in a study of Proverbs 2. Super excited for that. Now, you can use a Bible, and that's definitely encouraged. If you have your own, you want to walk through it. But we also want to continue to make you aware that we're trying something new right now just for our Proverbs study. Probably won't last past Proverbs, but just because of the unique nature of it, we're going to try it. We're trying a a new way of doing booklets. So if you grabbed a booklet at the door, hey, the booklets are for tonight. Uh, they are for this study, and you can be a part of that. And we want to invite you to, to, to walk through it. Is the, the whole booklet has the entire chapter of Proverbs chapter 2 uh, in it, and we'll work through it. One of the things we're going to do as we walk through the book of Proverbs is we're going to print one booklet per chapter. So sometimes we'll spend more than one week in a chapter, but there will only be one booklet per chapter. So at the end of this, if you do this, you'll have 31 booklets. And it's just a space where you can mark it up, where you can do maybe more than you might do in your own Bible, where you would want to just make notes or lines and circles or whatever you want. Uh, And again, it's just an invitation maybe to, to join us on that journey. Now, if you're joining us online, we want to make sure you're included and let you know that we have taken those booklets, and they're online, so if you go to our website under the Messages tab, you'll be able to download a copy of of tonight's booklet. So if you wanted to use that, print it out, or just, you know, use it on an electronic device, you're welcome to as well. Well, again, just one quick, quick, you know, just piece piece of that before we pray. You know, we're going to walk through, we're going to give you some, maybe some suggestions of underlining and circling and those things, but I want to make sure you know for a few things. Hey, it's just a suggestion. You don't have to. If you look on this and you think, I don't want to do the booklet, don't do it. Or if you want to do it differently than I'm doing it, do that. In fact, if you do a better job than what I'm doing, I would really like to know because I'd like to have to, to do this better. I'm just kind of figure out how to help you, you walk in it. But again, it's an aim for you to be able to be able to process through the unique nature of the book of Proverbs in a way that we're just longing for you to hear from him. So again, however you choose to, to walk through that, we want to just draw your attention to Proverbs 2 and ask that God would communicate to us what he has. And so let's take a moment for that. Let's ask God to do that. I'm going to lead you in prayer. We just want to go before God and ask that he would open up to us what he has for us this evening. And so I'm going to lead, but I'm hoping you would pray as well. Father, here we are, just coming to you this evening, having your word before us. Lord, I want to ask, I just want to cry out to you that you would open up to us your truth, that you would help us to understand what it is that you're trying to say to us in a way that is life-giving, in a way that is encouraging, that's drawing us forward into the things that you would have for us. God, by your Spirit, would you soften our hearts right now? Would you open our hearts right now? Would you give us the ability both to understand what you're saying, but to hear that specific thing that you would say to us this evening in a way that would work in us what you have for us? We ask for that right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Proverbs chapter 2, it's a great chapter, one that is in this theme of the early part of the book of Proverbs that is part of an invitation. 
part of an invitation that is inviting you to be one who is growing in the things of God and specifically growing in his wisdom, much that's going to be encapsulated in the book of Proverbs. But again tonight, though it has some nuggets, it's still a part of this early part that is speaking an invitation. And I like it. I mean, I really, it's one of my just places where God has met me a number of times in ways that I hope I can communicate to you this evening, but I hope that God would take you further than, I, than I've gone. So Proverbs chapter 2, you might just notice, and if you're going to circle or underline, you might just take it and just go there to verse 1 and circle the very first two words, where it just begins this chapter with a, a declaration where he says, my son. One of the things we've talked about already in the book of Proverbs is that in the book of Proverbs, there's 10 talks that are from a father to a son. Ten times that begins this kind of just declaration in a way that it kind of pictures a father sitting down with his, his son and communicating to him his wisdom. Now, that's just a good thing for us to kind of begin to understand, but it's also a place that should help us kind of feel the way that God wants you to hear this. This is not an academic instruction that is meant to be kind of heard in a college classroom that's meant to be, you know, just, you know, theoretical and, you know, hypothetical. It's meant to be heard in a life-giving, loving way that would be the idea of a father who is just lovingly saying, longing for his child to hear and understand. And I hope in the midst of it, you would do that and hear that. Well, Proverbs 2, again, is this invitation, and it's found in the entire book of Proverbs 2. Uh, if you're with us in Proverbs 1, there, was, there were several just independent sections that were a part of that whole thing. Proverbs 2 is not that. In fact, it's an entire movement through the whole chapter, which is fairly unique uh, for the book of Proverbs. And one of the ways we know that is because this chapter is an acrostic chapter. Let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, if you, if you, just as you think through it, we know that the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New in the Hebrew alphabet, there are 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Well, here there are 22 verses in Proverbs chapter 2. One of the things that makes that fascinating is in the Hebrew language, each subsequent verse begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, I recognize that doesn't translate into English. It doesn't actually help us at all. But if it did, could you just imagine it for a moment, what, what that would do for you? Well, one of the simple things it would do is it would make this chapter one that you could memorize. It just would, because you would be like, okay, so the first verse begins with A, and then the second verse begins with B, and the third, you'd be like, you know, however it worked, it would, there would be just a, a way where you could work through the entire alphabet knowing that the very next verse does that. And so there is something here that is comprehensive in this chapter. Definitely one of those things why we want to see the entire chapter kind of flowing in a thought that would help us understand the things that are found there, the things that, that would be in the midst of that. And so let's do this. There, there really is a pretty powerful logical argument that's taking place here. I just want you to kind of highlight or circle or put a square around the key words that kind of mark out each section, and then we'll come back and begin to work through them. Uh, the first one is found there in verse 1, and it's that first two, couple words after the invitation, if, if you. So if you kind of put a square around that or a circle or however you want to do that, and then turn the page. 
Turn the page to verse, to, to chapter, to page two there, and it kind of will tell us there in verse five, it says, then, then you will. Then in verse six, you can put it around there, for the Lord. So we have an if, a then, a for, and then you can go to the next page. Go down to verse nine, put a box around verse nine then. So there's kind of this argument we're going to begin to build if, then, for, then, and then one last one, turn the page to verse 10 and put it around just the word when in verse 10 there. That's going to be where we're going, and if I can communicate this well, you will help to to understand almost the just spiritual arithmetic here that's going to invite you to see how this works and how this flows together in a way that will invite you into a place that you would understand. So now go back to page one, where you have verse one. And these first verses, some of my favorite in this chapter, are going to invite you to be a diligent student of the scriptures. So I'll tell you what, I want you to do this one first for a moment. Would you take just a moment, and if you are going to underline, would you go through in the first four verses and underline every word that describes how you are to approach the studying of God's Word? So you just take a moment to do that. And again, we'll go back through it if you miss any of them. There's eight of them in the the first four verses that kind of in this poetic way, again, would help us kind of grab how uh, we are to approach this, how we're to be students of God's Word. Just there in the first four verses. All right, we're just going to work through them. You probably got it. I know it wasn't a lot of time. And by the way, hopefully this is something that, you know, we're working through Proverbs 2 here. You might want to go back into this tomorrow or the next day and add things into this booklet. This is yours, and we're hoping it would be very, very helpful. So we begin there in verse 1. He says, my son, if you receive, and that would be the first one, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. He says, if you'll do this, if you'll hear it, if you'll be one who will receive what I'm telling you, if you'll be one who would listen to what I'm saying and treasure it. Make it so it's like, okay, this is valuable to me. This is something that I'm going to hold on to. This is something that I want to have in my life. He says, so that you incline. And it kind of has this idea of putting yourself, you know, intentionally into a place of wanting to understand, of, of listening, of turning your ear, if you were. If you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understand it. If you'll be the kind of person that says, I'm trying to listen, and I'm actually going to engage in this. The idea of heart in the Hebrew language has the idea, not of emotion, but the idea of almost everything you are. Like, you'll put yourself into this. Like, you will give yourself to say, I want to know what God is saying. I I want to imply my heart to understanding. If on top of that, in verse 3, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift your voice for understanding. So he says, if you're going to be the kind of person that would approach God's truth and plead and look to God and say, God, help me to understand. 
God, I want to hear your voice. If you will cry out for it, if you will lift up your voice, and these are words that speak of prayer and dependence and desperation, like, God, please speak to me. Please give me the things that you have for me. Please open up your truth. He says there in verse 4, if you seek her, if you will be one who would say, hey, I'm going to seek her as silver, and I'm going to search her, and the her is the idea of wisdom, seeking for truth, if I'm going to seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. Wow. Okay, pause there, because this is really one of the great weights of this whole chapter, and if you don't feel this, then nothing else is going to connect. There's an invitation. There's an invitation here for you on how you would hear God and, and how you would be the one that would approach that and seek to understand it. In fact, if you want, you can kind of just flip back over to page one. I'm going to just write it this way. I'm going to put a little outline in the right side column there that's mine. You don't have to. If it works for you, you can do it. But I'm just going to say, okay, if you're going to do this, I'm going to say, if you will be a diligent student of wisdom, if you will be a diligent student of wisdom, of the Bible specifically, and, and hearing what God has to say, there is an if there, a, a promise that's contingent on the if, but it's this idea where he's inviting you to be the kind of student of the Scripture and of his wisdom that is pretty intentional about it. I mean, I don't know if you just caught the words. I don't know if you were just paying attention to underlining them, but I mean, it, it was, okay, if you'll receive it, and treasure it, and incline your ear to understanding, and apply your heart, and if you cry out, and if you'll seek her as for silver, as you'll search for hidden treasure, if you would have that kind of intensity, well, there is an invitation that you would gain so much of what God has for you. It's an invitation for you to be a diligent student of the Scriptures. Therein lies the question, and again, I'm not asking for a show of hands, I'm not asking for a place of condemnation, but I just wonder if you find yourself sitting here this evening saying, that's me. Not perfectly, I need to grow in it, but that's how I approach it. And I would put out to you that I hope it is, but I fear it's not. I, I fear that we live in a day, and we talked about this a little bit Sunday for those who are here, where although the Bible is so incredibly available, in some ways the passion and pursuit of diving deeply seems to be fairly rare. In fact, I think about it this way. There's a passage in Hebrews 5 that really kind of talks about this whole reality, and there in Hebrews 5.11 it says, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So he's talking about Jesus, he's talking about Jesus being the great high priest and the wonders that are found in the midst of it. He says, I have so much to tell you about Jesus. I have so much to show you about how incredible Jesus is. I want to tell you, about, there's just great things I could take you in, but I have a problem. My problem is you. <laughs> My problem is that you've become dull. You've become in a place where you're not, uh, you know, really listening or, or pursuing all that's there. He says, for though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. He says, by the time in your, in your spiritual development, by now you should be already being a good communicator of God's truth, of understanding it, of, of sharing it, but it seems in some ways you're still back in the ABCs of spiritual growth. You're in the very beginning places. For he says, for everyone who partakes only of milk 
is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So think this through with me for a moment. What's he saying? He's saying that in some ways that some Christians, you know, are in such a place where they're so immature that their spiritual diet is kind of like, you know, being nursed as a child, kind of in a place of of having that kind of nutrient given to you, meaning what? It's pre-processed by by, by somebody else, and you're just getting the overflow from where they they are. You're not diving into yourself. You're not, you know, kind of pulling out the steak knife and the the fork and diving into meat where you're chewing, and it's in a sense that you're in a space of only receiving that which is, you know, on the surface is an overflow. And my great concern is that in one sense, for some, that would be almost a compliment. You know, I mean, we live in a day that for some people, they have time for everything else other than the Scriptures. I mean, they can watch a zillion TV shows and, you know, read so many other things, watch blogs and other stuff. And and if they actually read a chapter of the Bible a day, that would be like, stellar. I mean, in fact, honestly, scarily enough, that would probably set some people aside as super Christians, you know, is because they actually like, you know, I read a whole chapter. I mean, I, 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 I did a whole lot. But the thing is, for, for many today, we're only in the place where it's a quick read, it's a skim, it's a devotional reading, where in many ways, all we really get is an overflow from what somebody else has given us. And please don't misunderstand. There's, there's a place for doing what I'm doing right now. There's a gift of teaching. That's part of the body of Christ. There's no sense that that's a bad thing. But if this is the only place you, if the only way you go deeper in the scriptures is somebody else taking you there, if the only way you kind of dive into truth is that somebody else, you know, is, is helping you kind of get there, then you may be being spoon-fed. You may be like, hey, like they, 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 it's kind of pre-processed, pre-chewed, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just milk, you know, kind of as an overflow. But he says, I want to give you something so much more. He says, because solid food, it belongs to those who, by, who are full age. That is those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I mean, there is this invitation that would say there is so much more. I mean, there's solid food, but it's only for those who will go deeper. And I think there's a sense of you needing to hear that that's what he's telling us, that he's inviting us to that kind of space where he's inviting us to have that. I think about one of the verses we looked at on Sunday there in Joshua 1, where it says, the book of the law, speaking of the Bible, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. And the idea of meditate is chew on it, think about it, go deep process it, you know, just think deeply on those things. Meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. Like, this is the the way this works, And, and I just want to tell you how incredibly true that is. We have the Word of God. We have God's Word that is everything necessary for life and godliness, and God is inviting us, saying, would you like to have just more of what I have? Well, it's found in the Word of God. And again, I don't want this to come across as berating or condemning, but I want it to be inviting because I want to tell you this. You will never plumb its depths. You will never reach the place that it's like, well, I, I fully comprehend it now. I, you know, I worked my way through it. The Bible is such that as much as you will dig into it, it's as much as you'll gain. 
there's beauties of who Jesus is. That's what Hebrews is saying. I have so much to tell you about Jesus, but I want to take you deeper. And and so Proverbs 2 comes with this invitation of saying, hey, dive in. I mean, be the kind of student that doesn't just receive. I mean, if you only did verse 1 where it says, my sons, if you receive my words, if that's as far as you go, you'll get some. But if you'll treasure it and incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, if you'll cry out, pleading for God to open up his truth to you and you're praying for it and you're seeking it like the someone who searched for silver. I mean, you can only imagine what that looks like. Someone who is a, you know, someone who's, who's diving deep into the, into the earth to, to mine for silver. It's not the kind of thing where you kind of walk across the ground and if I happen to see it, there it is. You know, you know if, if, if it's easy right on the surface, so I'll get it. But that's how, again, some approach the Bible, and I just want to not in any kind of condemnation, but invitation to say, go deeper. There's more. There's more in the Scripture. If you would be one who would plead for God and say, God, I want to know it. I want to understand it. I want to have everything that's there. And so I'm going to just kind of add that to my side. I probably should have done that already since I was just sitting here talking. But, you know, not just the milk drinker of the Bible for me. That just works really well. And so I put that reference, Hebrews 5 and then Joshua 1. So that for me, it's as if that's kind of how I'm processing. I'm thinking through, okay, that's not where I want to be. That's, that's not the kind of person I want. I want to hear this. And so it's this if, if this promise would be a part of that, if you would go there. So quick FYI, at the bottom of each page, you have this little box there. And really the intention there is to give you extra space, whether for notes, but it's also kind of laid out to say that not for everybody, but for some of you, you know, you, you think in pictures, you, you, you can see things. And so even a quick doodle uh, or somewhere, and it might make it land. Now, I didn't do a great one this time. I was trying to process it through, so I'm just going to kind of throw a Bible there and just say, be a diligent Bible student. That's kind of my, but you could probably do better. So if you do a different doodle, I'd love to see it. But there is a sense that if you hear these first four verses, there is this place of saying, go deep, dig harder, cry out, plead, ask, look for what God would have for you. If you, and he's telling you and he's inviting you that, and that in a sense is everything that we're going to talk about. Everything else that flows through the rest of the chapter flows off of that invitation. So he says, if, if you'll do this, if you'll receive and cry out and seek his, his truth, if, and again, it's an if, If you'll do that, then he says in verse 5, then you're going to find it. Then you're going to find it. And so, again, we kind of gaze on this, and and he's giving us this promise saying, you know, that God's telling us, if you will be that student, you're going to figure this out. You're going to, you will understand the fear of the Lord. You're going to find the knowledge of God. And so I'm just going to do a couple circles around there because he says, you're going to understand it. You're going to find it. It's going to be there for you. It's going to be the fear of God which is the kind of the bedrock thing of the book of Proverbs. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, this place of knowing and living a life in light of who God is. You're going to find the knowledge of God, knowing both who He is, but knowing Him. Again, some, uh, much truth that's in the midst of that, but I want you to hear it as a part of the promise, because it comes across with a confidence, a confidence of saying, if you'll study then you're going to figure it out. Then you're going to find it. It's a powerful promise. But let's get to one of my favorite parts of it. 
Why is it such an effective promise? Well, he tells us. Verse 6, as he gives it to us this way, he says, for, you know, the reason we can know this, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. That the Lord says he's the one that would give that. And I want you just to think about that word give because it may be in many ways, it's a big part of this little section here. It's a section that if I was doing again my outline, I would put it as a four, for God is the one who's going to give it. That God is going to be the one who gives us understanding of his ways. Now, here's where, again, it doesn't meet all of us, but it certainly meets me, and I'm hoping to meet you. This isn't based on your intellect or your abilities. It's based on God, because here's how amazing this is. If that's not what God was offering, some of us might go, oh, that's going to work for somebody else, but my brain, <laughs> it doesn't do that. Like, I mean, there are good students, and then there's me. You know, I mean, there's people who can really dive deeply, but I don't think my brain is capable uh, of going into some of those places. I feel like maybe I'm broken somehow in the midst of it, and I don't know if that's where you are, but here's the wonder of this promise. Because God is calling you to a diligence, but He's not laying the results on you. He's not saying that it's going to be your elbow grease that's going to make this happen. He's not saying that to the extent of your capabilities, you're going to be able to get all of this. He's telling you, if you'll, if you'll do it, if you would try, if you would be one who would say, I'm going to hear God, I'm going to treasure His truth, I'm going to seek for it, I'm going to search for it, I'm going to ask God for help, then, then I'm going to understand it. And the reason I'm going to understand it is because God's going to give it to me. God's going to help me comprehend. God's going to be the one that does that. In fact, just keep reading. I'll start reading again there in verse 6 just for context. He says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And then on the next page, verse 7, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the ways of his saints. As you kind of just roll through these three verses again, you just need to hear there's a firmness here. There's a confidence. There's a solid promise that he gives us that he's giving you an invitation. Now, somebody else not based on them or their background or their knowledge. He's saying, if you, if you would do this, then you're going to understand it because God will give it to you. And again, it's worth noting, there's a whole bunch of just really cool poetic pictures, but we'll just highlight a couple things where it just bases it off of who he is. Where again, he tells us back in verse six, from his mouth and knowledge come understanding. And then there in verse seven, he stores. And so I'll just underline the, the kind of four little pictures that are here and if you want to do the same, you can as well. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of, of justice and preserves, that is like he's the one that does that, the way of his saints. God is telling us that the reason we can be those who would understand his truth is because of who our God is. Because he's a God who, who he has, he's, he's kind of, 
prepared it ahead for you. He's made it in a place where if you would dive into it, you'd be able, because he stored it up for you. And then he would be the one that would be a shield and guard you and preserve so that the wisdom that he's offering you, it's exactly what he wants to bring you in. And again, the reason, the reason there is so much hope here is because this isn't college or university. This isn't something where, again, it's based on somebody's you know, IQ or, you know, how, or the knowledge. This is a basis that's off the basis of God. And he's telling you, you can get this. You, you can understand more than you've ever dreamed. There could be things that I would give you because he wants to, but he's not giving it until, unless you would be one who would position yourself into that place of saying, God, I want it. I want to I know these things. I want to know your truth, and he's inviting you to that. He's inviting us into a place for that, and again, it's an incredible reality. Okay, so we're walking this thing through. We're beginning to understand. Then we come back to there, down there in verse 9. And he says, again, then you will understand. And this is then, or I don't know how to better say it. There's probably a better logical way to explain it, but it's then part two, uh, you know, to think about what we've walked through. Because if you're following the offer, he says, if you'll, you'll study it, then you'll get it. For God will give it to you. And now we're back to the then. We're back to the reason why, what, what you would understand in the midst of it, that because you, that you have positioned yourself there, because we have a great God, now you're into this place where he says, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. Hey, those are some powerful words. You can think through that deeply if you even want to take time just to notice those words, but we'll just kind of put a box around the whole thing and says, hey, this is what I would give you. You're going to understand what's right, you're going to understand justice, you're going to understand equity, and you're going to understand every good path. It might just be worth noting that last phrase for a moment, because it's a big part of this chapter. The idea of a path uh, is about seven times in this chapter. He's talking about the course that you're on, or the path that you're on. And so he's telling us, I'll show you the good way. Now, what an incredible invitation that is right now. Maybe, Maybe you don't recognize that right now in your life, or it's not that space where you feel it's right where you are, but maybe it is. Maybe like right now, it's like, if I just need to know what's the right way to take. I'm just trying to figure out the right course, the right path, the right direction. He says, okay, that's what you're going to get. That's what you're going to get. That if you will be one who says, okay, everything necessary for life and godliness is in his word, so I'm going to dive in because I want to grow in his ways. I want to be one that God would help me know the way that I should live, help me know the path that I should be walking on, the place that I should go, and the ways that it's going to be a part of it, and God says you will. Again, I love, again, just the confidence. Not that you might, not that it's maybe. You will. You will. You will understand you will have that if, if you'll pursue it. If you would put yourself into that place of not wanting to be just a a milk-fed Christian, but one who says, I want to go in deeper. I want to understand more. I'm going to listen. I'm going to approach what God has. He says, that's what you would gain. Then you will understand, you know, righteousness, justice, equity, and every good path. 
Well, with that in mind, he helps us to begin to understand that she can turn the page over to, to page 4 or verse 10 at the beginning of that. And we get to this other part where he says, okay, this is what will happen. So you're in this whole place. And again, I'll kind of put it up on the top because it just helps me. If you'll seek, then you'll understand. The reason you'll understand is because God is great. Then you'll understand. And when you understand, wisdom will be yours. Wisdom will be yours. Wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. That what this is going to do is it's going to bring you into a godly wisdom so that you're growing in his ways. And, and when you do that, when you've kind of put yourself on that kind of pursuit, this is what it's going to do in you. It's going to bring you to that. And so, again, for me, it's a little bit of an outline. And so this is number five in the outline. It's the when. You know, that he's telling us what being a diligent student of the Bible will do for us, what, what gaining wisdom will do for us. And so really, the, the, the rest of the chapter is going to appeal in this direction. It's going to tell you what you could gain, like what that would do for you, what wisdom would do for you, you know, by being someone who's pursuing God and pursuing His ways and the things that, that He would have for you. He says, when wisdom enters your heart, there in verse 10, and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. He says, you know, discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. It will be that that brings a protection in and around your life. It will be that that works good in your life. And so with that in mind, he's going to give us three things. Three things that that wisdom would practically do in helping us understand the right way we should live the things it would rescue you from. And so you could just notice it there in verse 12 where he is going to lay out to us and he just begins by saying it's going to deliver you. That wisdom would be that which brings in a rescue or a deliverance or a protection uh, from that. He says it's going to be that which would, would deliver you from the way of evil. It's going to deliver you from that place. And so Again, if I were doing an outline and you were to look at an outline, this is going to be like point A under five. So when wisdom enters your heart, it's going to deliver you. It'll rescue you from a path that is an evil path, from a way that's a wrong way. Now, again, as I think it through, in one sense, that's partly what he's wanting you to understand. And again, had we tons of time, we'd dive even deeper, but I just want you to see it kind of quickly. And so just notice with me some of the descriptions. In fact, we're going to work through the next couple of verses, and if you want to, you can do a different kind of underline or a different kind of circle. I'm going to do kind of a jagged one or try to do that. At least I did here. It was a little harder to do in the, on the computer. But I want you just to notice the descriptions of the evil way and kind of what's flowing in the midst of that. So I would put it this way. It says, okay, this way of evil, it's going to be a speaking. It's going to be something that, that's working there, and it's going to be a perverse. Maybe that's just maybe the key word in that whole thing. It'd be something that's just perverse, and that's just a powerful word. Like this evil way is so wrong. It's so just wrong in so many ways. It is perverse. Then you can flip it over to the next page, and I'm going to zoom out a little bit so we can just kind of put all three verses that continue this argument. And again, as you just note through that, I just want you to note the words that describe it. So one more time, I'm going to give you a space to do it. Yeah, from verses 13, 14, and 15, would you take a moment and just go and try to find the words that describe this evil course, that God, the way that God wants you to understand it. There's, again, probably about six ways 
in these next three verses that he's going to say, this is the wrong way. This is the way I don't have for you. So again, whether you're circling, underlining, or putting jagged lines around it, which is what I did on my own a little bit more, just want you to take a moment to try to figure out what those things look like. The course that is wrong, the place that is evil, the things that God doesn't have for us. Well, again, he, he just gives it to us in a few pictures, and so I'll just kind of give them, and you can add to it, or, or there's more there. He says, from the paths, from those who leave the paths of unrighteousness. So certainly that's the first description. So this way that's evil, it's a departure from that which is right. It, it's, it's missing the things that God has for us. It's, 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 it's to, to those who, who leave you know, the, the paths that are in there, who walk in the way of darkness. And he gives us a picture there of, of just that which is, you know, in the dark and in the midst of that. Much of the Bible would give us a picture of, of what that would look like. He says, who rejoice, and he just calls it evil. He says, they rejoice in doing evil. They delight in, 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 in the person, yeah, that word. You ever get to that place where you can't say a word right? Uh, perversity, there we go, of, of the wicked, that you just look at that and say, hey, that's just, it's, it's this place where it's all together, just like so ugly, so wrong. It's crooked, he says in verse 15. It's this past that is devious. So he's laying out this picture of a course that's wrong. He says, okay, this is where you don't want to live your life. This is the picture of the way you don't want to do that. And again, he gives us some things, and I'm going to go back and just put a couple quick underlines over just the words that describe how the people would enter into that. First, they would, they would leave. You know, they would, they would leave the, the path of that which is upright. They would look away and, and see what's God, and they walk away from what God has. Instead, they walk in the ways of darkness. And then it gets worse. They don't just do it, they rejoice in it. They begin to try to find pleasure in that which is evil. They delight, I mean, they delight in that which is, is perversity of, of the wicked. And he says their ways, just the ways of their life, their paths, they're just all wrong. Now again, bunch of little pictures here, but in one sense, here's what he's telling you is this is not what you want your life to look like. And wisdom would rescue you from it. Wisdom would rescue you from doing that. Wisdom would help you not to depart from that which is right, not to find your life in this destructive way, not to be in the midst of everything that's there. Wisdom would bring you to that place of, of just making sure that that's not the course that your life goes down. So that's the first benefit of God's wisdom that he lays out. You can flip the page over and go to verse 16. And again, he comes back to the same phrase where he says it's going to deliver you. So it's going to deliver us from the evil way. And now he says it's going to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. So again, for me and my little outline that I would be having happen in my own head, because I do think in outlines, you know, it's going to deliver us from an evil path. It's going to deliver us from an immoral path or the immoral person. Now, we're going to talk about this a couple times in Proverbs, so I'm just going to barely touch about it here. He gives us this picture where he's talking about this, this person that would draw into it, and I need to make this as clear as I can and as brief as I can. 
You know, there have been times in church history and time in, in, in history where immorality has been blamed on either the man or the woman more culturally than other places. There were spaces where almost all immorality was kind of blamed on the woman, sometimes taken from passages like this. We live in culture that almost entirely places it the other way, that if there's immorality, it's almost always seen as the woman being the victim and, and the man being the perpetrator. I just want to tell you, neither is an accurate understanding. I mean, there is a sense of, of, of how destructive this is, and just to recognize that that person can be there, male or female, to be that one that would draw you into that. So here's this picture where the whole context of this chapter is speaking from a father to a son. And so it makes sense that he's saying, you're going to have to protect yourself from the woman that would bring you down. I think it just would be just as easy to have a father to a daughter or a mother to a daughter and say, you're going to have to watch out for that man. You know, that one who would be that immoral person. So again, just saying it this way, this isn't kind of a sexist section. It isn't something that blames one or the other, but it is warning you. And I wish I could say how important this is. When we think about the power of wisdom and the things that it's rescuing you from, we think about the need to be rescued from an evil path, it's fascinating because he's going to really give us three things that wisdom would benefit for us. It's interesting that Proverbs would place such a huge space of, of the benefit of wisdom on the issue of morality. I need you to understand that because you live in a culture that if you're not aware of it, that our culture says your morality is not that big a deal. I mean, it doesn't really define you. It doesn't really, you know, it's, it's, it's just choices you make. It's not, it's not a huge deal. That's not the way the Bible would say it. The Bible would talk about these things. It would be something that would wreck your life. It, it, it would be something that in morality, it's not a casual choice. It's not something that, that is just some lighthearted thing. Again, if you're reading with us in Corinthians uh, and our daily Bible reading, you're reading it as, as Paul is just pleading, saying, it, you know, immorality. Immorality is it's worse. There, there's something deeper than other sins because it's a joining of souls. It's not something that is to be taken casually nor lightly. And I'm just telling you, it is so needed in an immoral world. We desperately need to hear God's rescue. We desperately need to say, okay, that's not the course that we need to be on. Now, quickly saying this, God is inviting you to this course. And I recognize that for some of you, you you'd sit here this evening and you might already say, but Jim, it's already too late. I mean, I've already kind of gone down paths I shouldn't have gone down. We have a powerful God, a God who brings in forgiveness and help and healing. Please don't miss that. There's not any sense that you would see that. Again, I like the way it was kind of recorded for us in Corinthians. For you guys who are reading it, he says, you know, he kind of condemns all these things. He says, and such were some of you, but you've been washed, but you've been cleansed. That's no longer who you are. That no longer is the life you're living. Don't live it. Don't go down that road anymore. And that's where I'm inviting you now. I'm not condemning your past, though I am kind of pointing it out. I am rescuing you from it. And so he's going to tell us this, that, that we need deliverance from this. And so again, let's just kind of go through and note just a few of the words uh, that help us kind of picture this one who would be destruction for you. He says, from the seductress who flatters. And again, if you want to circle or highlight, I'll just do it with a little kind of dotted line around it. So there's a flattery. There's a, there's a flattery that tells you things that aren't true um, that, that would seek to kind of speak into your life. There's a place where this person 
would be one who forsakes the companion of our youth, that forsakes this fidelity in marriage, this, this place of, of, of what that would look like, this place of, of things that would be there. And then he says, and forgets the covenant of their God. So again, just kind of powerful to think it through in ways that we could spend much more time on. It's flattery. It's forsaking. It's forgetting. It's this flattery that would tell you things that are not true, and it's, it's, it's this departure from this place of a one-man, one-woman relationship that God would have for people. It's this forgetting who our God is that would, that would seek to bring in destruction, this immorality that would seek to, to, to do this. And he says, you need to be rescued from this. You need to be rescued. And if I can say it as kindly as I can, but as powerfully as I can, I think there's a person that if you're not careful, would be this in your life, that somewhere in your life would come and, and somehow would begin to speak to you and flatter you and, and forsake and forget. And what Solomon is telling his son, what the, the wisdom of, of the book of Proverbs is saying, you need to be aware of it. You need to be aware. See, you're rescued from this one who would be that one that would bring in harm. Again, we think about what that looks like. We think about where that goes. And there in verse 18, he just gives it to us this. And again, I'm just going to circle the word for because it's good to kind of, it's just for her house leads down to death and her path to the, to, to the dead. That to enter that course, it's a destructive course. It's a course that would bring in pain, sorrow, and suffering. Go to verse 19. And just if you're going to circle a word there, I would just circle the word none. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So let me, again, just be as clear and accurate as I can. There is a really serious warning here. There's a really serious warning here where, he, where Solomon is saying, or, the, or God is saying through Solomon, through the, the, the words of the book of Proverbs, falling into this trap, it is so often the thing that destroys a life, and they don't ever come back, and they don't ever come back. Now, I want to say this with as much, again, emphasis but grace as I can, but God. <laughs> I mean, but God. I mean, God is a God who can and does fix this. The book of Proverbs is not saying everybody who does this, this is 100% what you're going to happen. No, the book of Proverbs is saying, that, hey, most of the times this is what happens. Sometimes that's good or bad, and you just need to hear this, but I need to say grace. Again, for some of you, you have been rescued. Like, that was your past, and you can be rescued. Be rescued. But if that is you, you might understand better than somebody else. Go down this course, and most who go down it don't come back. Most who, who, who fall to this trap, it destroys their lives. They go down this, this they don't ever return. They don't ever get back on the right course. They don't ever return to that which is right. And, and again, that's part of this warning. It's part of why you need to hear it as clearly as I can say it, because again, that's just not what our culture is telling you. Our culture is saying, hey, you know, it's not a big deal, you know, have a little fun, you know, sow your wild oats, and then later you can, you know, kind of reestablish your life in a good way. I just want to tell you, it doesn't work. Wisdom says, go down that path, and you will, unless God powerfully intervenes, you'll never get off of it. it. It'll destroy your life, and so with as much, again, Again, not condemnation, but invitation saying, this is the road you don't want to go down. And that's what we need. We need help on. And so one more time, that's the offer. 
He's saying God's wisdom would protect you from this. God's wisdom would, would bring you into these things that God would have for your life. It would do that in your life in an incredibly powerful way. Well, then he gives it to us in a positive way. So go down to verse 20. He says, so you may walk in the way of goodness. So instead of being you know, trapped on the evil course or on this course with this seductress, he says, you'll be able to walk in the way of goodness, that you'll be able to, to go in those ways. And so I'm going to put a kind of C in my little outline there. You're going, to be, you're going to be delivered from the evil way. You're going to be delivered from the immoral lifestyle, and you'll be able to do the good thing instead. You'll be able to walk that good path, that life that God would have for you in, in a powerful, powerful way. And so as he's laying this out, he just kind of just locks it in with just some very simple principles that most of us would understand. He says, for the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. For, because if you're, if you're living that upright life, if you're choosing that upright way, there's a solidness, there's a dwelling, there's a remaining there's a wonder to that life that God would bring us into. On the other hand, flip the page over, verse 22, but the wicked will be cut off. To, to choose those wrong course, to go down the, the wrong way, the wicked are going to be cut off. They're going to be uprooted. Uh, you know, from, they're going to be cut off from the earth. The unfaithful will be uprooted from it. And so there's this horrendous destruction. There is this place of just recognizing, hey, these things are very, very real. That God's not just speaking to us like, hey, this doesn't mean anything. He's like, no, this is how it works. Uprightness brings life. It brings strength. It brings remaining. The wicked are going to be plucked away. Hell, certainly, destruction, emptiness, horror in, in the midst of everything that that is. Okay. So I think this makes sense. Things have been a part of it, but let's do this. You know, I think about this whole thing, and so we give you a little section on that last page to, to put in notes. You don't have to write this all the way down, but it just helps me to kind of think through an outline of everything we just said. So I'm just going to put it here on the page, and if you want to try to write it down or write it down later, you can. Let's just outline kind of the logic, the flow of thought that what God just said. So the first four verses of this chapter, if... If you'll seek it, if you'll want God's wisdom, if you'll search for it, hunger for it, look for it, if you will be somebody who studies your Bible, then, he says, you'll get it. Then you're going to be one who understands it. You're going to find wisdom. You're going to find that understanding. And he reasons with us the reason why. Because God's the one who's going to give it. For God, there in verses 6 through 8, he gives wisdom. He, he does this. There's not any one of us who would be left outside of the realm of what God would do in there. So then, you're going to understand how to live the right life. You're going to understand that good path for your life. If you'll do this, then you'll understand, for God gives that wisdom, and you'll get that right path. When that happens, when that wisdom enters into your heart, when you gain this wisdom that he just promised, it'll be that that will deliver you there in verses 12 through 15 from that evil path. It'll rescue you from the wrong way. It'll deliver you from an immoral path that would be your destruction so that you there in verse 20 could walk in the right way. You could have the right path. And then he just locks it down with very simple truths because the you know, the upright they remain, the wicked they're cut off. Simple as it can get. It's not actually that complex. Again, we kind of think it through. It's a, it's a, it's a logic that in some ways we could get it, but he's just offering it to us. 
Now, if this makes some sense this evening, in one sense or another kind of draws you into it, then we just need to go back and say everything is based off of the very first offer. If. If you'll be one that wants it. If. I mean, if, if you don't make it past those verses, then you don't get any of the rest. It's all based on if. If. If you'll seek it, if you'll want it, if you'll hunger for it, if you'll search for it, you'll get it. But it has to begin there. So that's where this flies. That's why ch- chapter 2 here in Proverbs is just kind of waving at us and speaking to us and inviting us and saying, come, like, want this, want God's wisdom, want His ways, want what He has, want what He's looking for, because this really will be life helpful, life transforming. And I just speak it to you this way. I find myself thinking of when Jesus would say, you know, kind of the same thing and just a simple nutshell. He would give it to us this way in Mark 4, verse 24. He said to them, take heed what you hear. For the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. He says, okay, as much as you'll put into it, you're going to get out of it. That the same measure you use, take heed what you're, how you hear the word of God, how you get it. You know, if you come into it with a teaspoon, you're going to get a teaspoon out. You know, if you just kind of scrape in the surface with it, you'll get it. But that's all you'll get. But if you'll come into it with as much, I mean, if you come into it with, you know, a larger measure, if you'll dump it with a shovel or a, you know, if you'll dive into this with an excavator, I mean, it's like, I want more, then there's, there's never a limit to what you could get. The Word of God is deeper and more profound than you, and Jesus just holds it out in that kind of offer, where he's telling us, hey, as much as you would seek this, you're going to find it. As much as you would pursue that, you'll get that. So again, if you put little pictures at the bottom of your screen, you can do that. I'd love to see some of them. Some of you are much better kind of thinkers or artists in this sense, but I'm just going to kind of put it this way for me that just, again, I love the way that Jesus said it, so I'll kind of put some little measuring spoons there and just say with the same measure you use, it's going to be measured to you. If you'll seek it, you're going to get it. And to the, as much as you seek it, I mean, if you only, I just, you know, I kind of casually pursue God's word, well, you're going to get a casual result. But if you will seek and you will dive and you will ask and you will plead and you'll search for it as for silver, you're going to get more. You're going to get more because God's word is in just an unconquerable source. It's, it's one that would bring us into everything that God has for us. And so that is your invitation, an invitation to wanting that God would bring you into that. And he's holding out to you the value of his wisdom of the word of God. So, We'll end there this evening, kind of end at the end of chapter 2 with that invitation, and again, just longing that God would meet you in it, and I don't know where this has found you. For some of you, this is encouraging what you're already doing, and you're like, yeah, I've kind of figured this out. Like, there, you know, I, I try to put myself, and, and it's true, the more you put into it, the more you gain. Keep doing it. But I think I'm, again, speaking to somebody that you've just almost never tried. You've kind of just figured, thought, you know, hey, this is beyond me. I'm not one of those people that is a deep thinker, or I don't, you know, I never did good in college or high school or or mid school. I was just, I never was an A student. And you've kind of assumed that you'll never get stuff out of God's word. It's not true. Because if you'll put yourself into it, God will give it to you. And it will bring in power into your life, it would bring rescue. 
So I'm inviting you to that kind of pursuit this evening. And wherever that has found you, just longing that God would do it because he's telling you there's more for you there than you can imagine. So let's close in prayer and just ask that God would draw us into this. If you have questions afterwards, come up and ask or talk to us. We'd love to be a part of that. God, thank you for your word. It just speaks so plainly, at least for me, so with just a clear understanding. God, you know where we're found this evening. I just began by praying if there's anybody in this room or just online right now that they're outside of this as a whole, that right now they're in that wicked lifestyle that is bringing about their destruction. I pray for your rescue. I pray for your rescue. Pray that you draw them to Jesus and, and to you who is the wisdom of God for all mankind. God, I pray for, for just salvation that for any that would be there. God, then I pray for Christians who have not done this. They've met a mess of things, quite honestly. And thinking about just not walking your wisdom and the destruction that's there, Lord, I want to pray that you would bring in grace and forgiveness, that it could be said of them, but such were some of you, but you've been washed and you've been cleansed. And I pray that you would invite them out of a, of, a, of a life that is just going down the wrong path, that you'd invite them into your truth and your word that would protect them and help them to make good choices. God, I pray for your fixing of these broken lives. And then, God, I think of some who, I mean, all of us are broken in ways, but there's just a space of just needing to protect us, that you could look down the course of our life and kind of as this father would speak to a son and say, I, I would like to see you rescued. I could see what would happen if you're not careful. And so you invite us to be one who would seek you and seek your wisdom and cry out for it and search for it like we're searching for hidden treasure. God, I thank you that you hold out to us a certainty that we can get it. And that certainty isn't based on our intellect or IQ. It's based off of you and your faithfulness that you said you store that up for us, that you would help us understand it, that you would take us deeper. God, I pray that that hope would meet each one of us and it would invite us into being people who would be students of you and your wisdom and your word, and you'd rescue us. <laughs> rescue us from evil paths and moral paths. Bring us into right paths. Because God, we know where that goes. We know that there's an outcome to this and we want to be on that right course. God, I pray for help in that. I pray for rescue. I pray that you would take our lives and draw them to you and what you have. So, Lord, would you make us just those who pursue and seek you and your wisdom in this day. Help, Lord. I ask for that for me and for all of us now. In Jesus' name, amen.